The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! You've got your Mega Mac guys, John McMullen and Johnny McDonald here with you on Bird 65 on a football Friday. Yes, we are going to talk about the game coming up on Sunday against the Chicago Bears. That's for darn sure. Eagles go out as a nine point favorite into the Windy City. Uh, so uh, can they get to 13 and one? That is uh, what we'll be breaking down for you over the next couple hours. I just want to do this at the top of the show, and then hopefully we can quasi put it to bed. I don't know if we can, but we can try. The off-field conversation about Jalen Hurts' MVP status continues when Michael Parsons comes out and attempts to explain why he said what he said the (laughs) other day. I think it merits Uh. some discussion here. John, he said kind of what you and I were saying leading up to today's show all week. 
he's a defensive guy. What did you think? He was going to come in and sing the praises of Jalen. Oh my God. We've got Jalen hurts on the schedule two weeks from now. I, uh, I don't know why we even show up. He's that good. I think that uh, we should just forfeit the game. now. Of course, he's a defensive guy. And that's what he explained. Yeah, yeah. I'm a defensive guy, and I'm going to give the Eagles defense a little credit. Why? Because I appreciate defense. I'm a defensive guy. I look at everything no. through a defensive lens. So, yeah, that's why I said what I said about the Eagles. <laughs> I was giving a little credit to everybody. Yeah. You know, that's not – that, and I said that, you know, to me, that's not the problem. And the problem for the Cowboys is is magnified by how the Eagles handle this. And I talked to Miles Sanders about it yesterday because Miles is Micah's buddy. Obviously, those Penn State guys run deep. Right. Uh, and 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 Micah, um, you know, Micah praised Miles as well. Um, you know, he looked at me and he smiled and he said, "Who are they playing this week?" And and I said, "Jacksonville." And he said, "Maybe they should worry about Jacksonville." And he said he's my dog and all that stuff with Micah. But um, same thing Jordan Mylotta said, except uh, Jordan threw an F in there. <laughs> I don't know who the F they're playing, but they should focus on them. That's why you don't do that stuff, because it explodes. And it, Micah's in there, and he's getting all the questions and all that. And I said the Cowboys fans probably dislike him because he gave so much respect to the Eagles offense as a whole. The Eagles fans hate him because they think they disre he disrespected the quarterback. That's why you do Nick Saban. That's why Jalen Hurts is why Jalen Hurts does. And he gave a five-word answer. Rat poison. You stay away from it. That's the problem to me from Mike McCarthy's standpoint, the Dallas Cowboys. Do those shows after the season, you know, or if you go on them, and you know, you gotta be like Jalen. You got to be like Jalen, but and uh, in, in, in the long run, obviously, it's much ado about nothing. I think, you know, Chris Sims now took the baton again. Oh, um, yeah. And all these questions are are right there about definitions, Jody. Like, what's your definition of MVP? My definition of MVP, my definition, John McMullins is, all right, who's having the best season? And that's why I think Jalen Hurts is the MVP. It's not about. You know, do I still think Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback? Yeah, I do. If Eagle fans want to get mad at that, get mad at that. I do. I think Patrick Mahomes is a better player. I think Jalen Hurts is the MVP this year. It's not It's not about supporting cast. Supporting cast helps. I think he's having the best season. So some people say, is it the most important player to the team? Uh, is it the most valuable player to the team? Is it a guy with the most talent, just the best player? Or is it the guy having the best season? It, it all depends on your definition. Yep. But whether he finishes first or he finishes second, he's having a damn good season. <laughs> and it doesn't matter for the, all these goofballs moving goalposts because they want to make themselves right. Yeah, move all the goalposts you want, Chris Sims. He's having a great season. Right. And that annoys me more than what Michael Parsons did. If I'm an Eagle fan, and I'm just uh, judging from afar, what is this guy talking about? I'm more ticked off at what Sim said than what Parsons said. Because at least Parkin Parsons is a player. So <laughs> he has to look at it through the uh, lens of a player. Chris Sims is now a football analyst. He's a former player, but he's a football analyst. So that's his job. So that's what he does. He's trying to stir the pot. He doesn't have to worry about bulletin and board material and how he's going to affect a future opponent. Um, he should know better than that. 
and he does. He's a former quarterback, and he he's does. He's a it. former quarterback who's an analyst. And if you go all the way back to uh, last year, he didn't have Jalen in his top forty. Everybody was upset by that, which was ridiculous. You know, he's trying to make himself right by diminishing uh, what Jalen Hurts does because of his supporting cast. And you know, by the way, I think they would be a good team. Or, or a playoff-level team, potentially, with Gardner Minshew. Um, but they wouldn't yeah, I, be 12-1. They wouldn't be 12-1. and one. They'd be struggling. You know, they, they, they'd have a chance, you know, like Washington has a chance, and and the Giants have a chance, and, and, and maybe Detroit, and maybe Seattle. They'd have a chance to make the playoffs, but they wouldn't be like this. They wouldn't be like this. Yeah, that uh, comparison, and then he laid it out the way he laid it out. They'd be good. Uh, they'd be a good team if Gardner Minch was their quarterback. He has no idea if that's the truth or not. No one does. And for him to even go there, some people got upset because they said that uh, Michael Parsons compared him to Brock Purdy, which, oh, by the way, Brock Purdy's had two good games now. Boy, He's man. actually got Boy, a higher, you know. Can I take a bow here, Jody? Because I thought, and you know from being on the show, I, I picked San Francisco to be in the Super Bowl. Um, and my reasoning was, well, I, I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be any good, but I think he's going to be a little bit more explosive than Jimmy Garoppolo is. And if he can just do that, they're going to be a significant Super Bowl. Con- they were already a significant Super Bowl contender. Now he gets hurt. Jimmy gets hurt. And now Brock Purdy comes in, and he's been the guy who's just a little bit more explosive, a little bit more of a playmaker than Jimmy Garoppolo. And all of a sudden, they look like world beaters with this, you know, rookie quarterbacks. I mean, that is the team. We talk about teams you don't want to play. That is the team I don't want to see in the playoffs. I hope there's an upset, and I know there's a rookie quarterback. And, and and Kyle Shanahan, I got taught, you know, I'm only here for the first hour. I want to talk for six hours because there's so much stuff I want to talk about. Kyle Shanahan, who is the best place gamer in this game, even better than Andy Reid. I would say Andy's close, but number three is not close. Um, but you know what? Kyle makes a lot of mistakes. And this is, I, 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 I'm all over the place and I apologize, Jody. Um this is what I talk about Nick Sirianni and going back to being the CEO coach. He makes a lot of mistakes, Kyle Shanahan, with game management. He's taking a, a timeout instead of losing a half yard, bad challenge. Yeah, he's a great play caller. He's a wizard. You saw that play to George Kittle. That's, you know, that's brilliant stuff. But you get bogged down. And that's why I like CEO coaches. Understood. As do I. You know I feel the same way. Uh, but Purdy has looked pretty damn good. And uh, the comp between that Michael Parsons made between the Eagles and the 49ers. And don't kid yourself. That's more than it was. A comparison of the Eagles team and the 49ers team than it was the quarterbacks, uh, Purdy and, and uh, Jalen Hurts. At least they didn't say you can put in the backup and still be uh, a great story. Yeah, I got no idea what the Eagles would be with. You you got more faith in what Gardner Minshew could be doing with this team than I, I do. Well, uh, I Jay- think it's a good comp in that uh, Brock Purdy's a back. He's a third-string quarterback, and San Francisco's still good. They're still a playoff-level team where they have been. It's a very small sample size. He's going to have some troubles. I mean, at some point, 
he's going to have some troubles. Gardner's very experienced. But again, I'm talking about Washington level. I'm talking about the Giants level. Washington and the Giants are playing each other this week, and the winner is probably going to make the playoffs the way things look. But they're scratching and clawing to make the playoffs. The Eagles aren't scratching and clawing. I'm saying with Gardner Minshew, they 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 are so talented. They are so good from two through fifty-three on that roster. I think they would be a playoff level team right on the cusp, not twelve and one, right on the cusp of Washington territory, the Giants territory, with with the backup quarterback. That's how good they are. But there's a big difference between Gardner Minshew and and Jalen Hurts. That's uh, and and the way that uh, Sims stated, I think he minimized that difference between the two. I'd be a lot more ticked off at Chris Sims, Eagle fan, than I would be at Michael Parsons for throwing shade, disrespecting, use whatever phrase you want uh, for the Eagles quarterback this week. It it, it doesn't seem to, to me that at least, and Michael Parsons walked it back a little bit yesterday, saying, "Hey." I'm a defensive guy. I look at everything through a defensive lens. Shoot me if you believe that. And you want to talk about disrespect. I'll tell you where the Eagles got disrespected this week. And that's Michael Parsons, Penn State buddy, Miles Sanders. Every Wednesday at some point, John McMullen stays on top of it. He jumps in here on Birds 365. Oh, another Eagle Award winner. Hold on. Let me get this to you guys. Defensive player of the week, Brandon Graham for his three sacks. Miles Sanders had an unbelievable game against the Giants. He was, for me, their best player on the blowout on, on Sunday. Yeah, Jalen Richards MVP, but Miles had a great day. Career high in rushing, 144 yards. He didn't get either the FedEx Ground and Air Award, which the NFL gives out every single week, which they gave to Christian McCaffrey, who didn't have near as many yards as Miles did. No career-setting day for Christian McCaffrey against a lesser squad than the Giants played, an actual team, uh, than the Eagles played the Giants, a team above 500. And he wasn't the offensive player of the week either. They gave that to Baker Mayfield. Now, I, I guess I understand that because it was as weird as it was. He shows up two days later. He's still mumbling the, the, the plays to himself so he knows the name of them in the huddle and the coaches called him in verbatim right up until they shut off the microphone. And damn if he didn't march him down for two late touchdowns and steal a victory from the jaws of defeat. But his numbers were pedestrian over the course of the game. Miles were all-time best in his career. Yeah, that's so why, I, 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 There's that's a guy why. who got shortchanged yet this week. Miles Sanders should be more ticked off about that, Eagle fans, than uh, Micah Parsons saying, well, you know, Jalen Hurts has got some good teammates around him. Yeah, I, I I I can't get upset. I mean, player of the week awards are they, they don't like to give it. You know, it was rare for Jalen to get it two weeks in a row. That was that's that's like news because they don't give it to people two weeks in a row. They don't give they don't give the same team multiple awards on the same week. So you almost gotta pick somebody. Or is it, is it for the Eagles because they've had so many games where you could you could pick an offensive and defensive player of the week. They're not doing that. They're, and a lot of it is high profile Baker Baker situation. It's all nonsense. It's all you know. It's great for the players. Well, I shouldn't but, say but that. But we're getting bent out of shape about an MVP. Well, people get bent. Like I, 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 people get bent out of shape about anything. I said, I, I, I put up the video of that play, which, by the way, that play is used in college football all the time. 
from San Francisco last night. So, you know, all football is stealing from other people. Uh, but it, it was just so beautiful the way San Francisco ran it. Um, and I'm talking about the two fakes and then Kittle breaks out and he's so wide open. That's how you scheme guys open. Not that you need to scheme George Kittle open, but you know, he schemed him open and, and it's a touchdown. It's a great play. And I just put it up and said, this is why I love Kyle Shanahan so much. So, you know, Eagles fans are going, that play is all smoke and mirrors. I got one guy on Twitter. Never work against the Eagles. What does that Eagles. have to do with Miles Sanders not getting? Well, I'm getting to the point, Jody. That play, oh, okay. Eagles fans get upset about Taking everything. It, Eagles fans get up uh, upset about everything. You, you you can't get upset about Miles Sanders not being player of the week when Brandon Graham's player of the week. They don't give it to the same team. So you pick one or the other. Now, if you want to. If you want to say Miles should have gotten it over Brandon, that's a more legitimate argument, but I can't get upset about people not getting players of the week. And they got a player of the week. They're not giving it to the same team. I don't think it's ever happened. Now, they've been giving out since 84. So, I, I, you know, maybe there was a 50 to nothing game where somebody was so dominant. I'm not saying it's never happened, but it rarely happens. They don't give it to the same team. Except they should have this week. In this man's opinion, just my opinion, uh, it doesn't matter to me if, if an Eagles performance was the most impressive in the National Football League last week, and they happen to have a guy on offense and a guy on defense who both had the best weeks in the NFL. And yeah, I think it was slighted. If you don't, uh, if you don't want to uh, get down into the muck and mire with me, that's okay, John. I have no problems getting there. They they did. They slighted Miles. Well, I haven't looked about the other. I bet you there's. 10 players, offensive players, actually 20 offensive players that had better weeks than than Baker Mayfield. I, I, I can't, He didn't have a great week. He had one drive. That's my point. Thanks for making it for me. All right, Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you on Bird Street 65. Up next, our bud from the Inquirer, Mike Sielski, top sports columnist in town, is going to join us here on Bird Street 65. Stay with us. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles 
Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Ram starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Aboard on Birds 365, a football Friday. Jody McDonald, John McMullen, joined by Mike Sielski, lead sports columnist from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Mike, uh, and uh, if I need to apologize, I'll apologize for my contribution to continuing this Micah Parsons story here in <laughs> Philadelphia. Um, did we all drop the ball and just let Micah Parsons dictate to us? that we should be talking about something other than the Chicago Bears. Like I said, if I need to apologize, I got sucked in. Did you? I did not get sucked in, Jody. And and, and this this to me speaks, I'm actually writing a column about this right now that's going to go on Inquire.com Saturday morning. This to me speaks to the big problem with the 2022 Philadelphia Eagles. Really? They are boring. They are boring. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. they're 12 and one. Too good. Too but, good. you know, I, I need a wide receiver doing sit ups in the driveway here. I need conflict between former best buddies, Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown. I need the offensive lineman recording a death metal album and not a Christmas album. I need something to get a little bit interested in because right now, this team is kind of too good to get worked up about yeah that's how i am i can't get worked up about this stuff i get more worked up about people who get worked up about it i'm 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 amazed at how many people care about what chris sims thinks how many people care about what michael parsons thinks and by the way i i told jody cowboys fans are probably upset at poor micah because he talks so glowingly about the eagles as a whole about how great the offensive line is and his buddy Miles Sanders and the receivers. Did everybody miss that part? This is a this is a member of the Dallas Cowboys. John, this this was the softest trash talk I've ever heard. Like it, it wasn't like he was saying that Jalen was a bad quarterback. He was basically saying that he's good, but everything around him is so much better that it's hard to give him credit for yeah. the team being 12 and 1. This is not a 
hey, guys, Carson Wentz can't play and your team was dumb for drafting him or anything along those lines. It just was, you know, but this is what we're reaching for. Like you said, we've got to find these morsels of somebody who, uh, you know, from somebody who says something other than the Eagles are the greatest team in the history of teams and Jalen Hurts is the greatest quarterback uh, since leather was invented. <laughs> and to no one's surprise, Jalen Hurts said when asked about it, we're playing the Bears this week. Can we talk about the Bears? Let's get to the Bears. We got to kind of focus on the Bears. The Bears are our opponent this week, not yet the Dallas Cowboys. And nobody should be surprised by that because he is uh, in the short time, relatively short, uh, two years now, year and change, shown more narrow focus and ability to stay in his lane and on task than maybe any quarterback the Philadelphia Eagles have ever had. You've been here for a while. I've been here for a while. John's been here for a while. Certainly any during our time. No one can compare to this guy with being on task for what his job is, and that's continually win football games, which he's done this year 11 out of 12 times. Yeah, I think you're right, Jody. Um, And I was thinking about this the other day about kind of – the moment in time that we're in and Jalen's age, you know, Car- Carson was guarded, right? Um, but you could chalk that up to him being a guy who had grown up in North Dakota and then now was in a, a big market in Philadelphia. So maybe he wasn't certain how to handle the media and things like that. I think Jalen is a different case in that not only did he go to Alabama, which you know probably got as much scrutiny on a day-to-day basis as the Eagles do, certainly nationally and certainly within its fan base and its media market. Um, But he's also what, 24 years old. You know, he's, he's come up in a time when it is customary for an athlete to guard his or her image in the age of Twitter and social media and all these kinds of things you know, millennials, if you want to call them that, or I, I don't know what you, what the name of the generation is, are much more protective of that. They don't come in with any expectation in in the way that, say, Donovan McNabb or Nick Foles did of, hey, I have to talk to these reporters and these media members who aren't connected to the team directly and who don't aren't trying to help me win the game or succeed. They're just here to ask me questions, whatever those questions might be. You know, Jalen is very sensitive to that and very protective of that. There's a reason he calls us rat poison. It's, you know, he came up in the Nick Saban sort of way of thinking of keep your guard up at all times. And I think that that goes a long way to explaining why he interacts with us in the way that he does. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's all Nick Saban. It's all rat poison. And the Eagles are are very good at it. And and I do give him credit. Um and you know better than most, Mike. Uh, you can't control other people's perceptions, I always say. So, you know, I think it's very smart to, to, to use the Nick Saban sort of template and try to keep things in-house as much as possible. It's not fun for us, but I think it's smart. Uh, Jordan Mailata got asked about the stuff this week, and he said, Gave a little F word and say, I don't even know who Dallas is up and playing, but uh, maybe they should focus on that. I asked Miles yesterday. It's like the same thing. He smiled at me because he's, you know, he's Micah's buddy. Smiled at me and said, who are they playing? And I said, Jacksonville. <laughs> maybe they should worry about Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Does this all stem from Nick Sirianni? Does he have all these guys on the same page? Or is it just sort of innate, innate that this team knows 
Let's keep it in-house. I think it's a combination of both things, John. I think, you know, the leadership in the locker room is obvious. You have guys like Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox who have been through all this before. They've seen what works. They know how to um, be playful in and with the media in a way that doesn't um, generate the kind of headlines that a team doesn't want to have. You know, for instance, I know you saw this on Twitter yesterday. Jason did his podcast with his brother, Travis. Tremendous tweet. Right. And and they were talking about Nick Foles and how he should, you know, the, the, the trophy for the Super Bowl MVP should be after Nick Foles. And, you know, people can look into why they said that. And it's hilarious and it's funny. (laughs) And it's the kind of thing that doesn't tick anybody off on any other teams. And, you know, I, I think, I think we can overstate sometimes how much a coach sets the culture for a team. I think more often than not, it does come down to the leadership within that locker room, the captains of the locker room, so to speak. And when you have people like Kelsey and Graham and Hertz to a lesser degree, just because he's young and hasn't been around as much, those guys are the tone setters. And and those guys are going to make it clear that, hey, we don't do that kind of stuff here. Um, You know, we we keep our our eyes on the prize, so to speak, Uh, except for Mylotta, who I think his, his streak of giving interviews in which he drops an F-bomb is now approaching Joe DiMaggio levels. Um, you know, he's, he's really keeping on that yeah, really but well. But when you say, when you drop the F-bomb and it's followed by mate, it just Yeah, that's true. Soft. It softens the blow. Yeah. 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 All right. Speaking of softening the blow, how bad is the blow going to be on the Bears this week? Because, Mike, I'll be honest with you, over the last couple of days, I've been thinking, you know, the Eagles better be careful. This has got trap game written all over it. You know the Bears are bad. The Eagles know the Bears are bad. Everybody knows the Bears are bad. They've got the Cowboys in 10 days. They better be careful that it's an NFL team going out there. Not good NFL team, but an NFL team just the same. And then all this off-the-field stuff becomes a topic of conversation and gets the Eagles to narrow focus and stay tuned and being able to point to the Cowboys, like, shut up, uh, worry about the Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, they're going to crush the Bears on Sunday, are they not? I think they are, Jody, and I think it's to their advantage that the following game is in Dallas against the Cowboys. I think that helps um, because if they lose to the Bears, suddenly that Christmas Eve game takes on a, a, a really outsized importance because then all of a sudden the, the possibility of them falling behind, behind the Cowboys or losing the division lead becomes real, becomes mm-hmm. really real. Uh, so I have to think that Sirianni and the veterans in the locker room are spreading the word that, look, guys, we can't slip up this week. We shouldn't slip up this week. This team has the worst passing offense in the NFL. It has one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. There's no reason we shouldn't go in here and take care of business, get your minds right, get your preparation right, and let's make sure we're 13-1 and one heading to AT&T Stadium on Christmas Eve because, you know, the Cowboys are close enough and hold enough tiebreakers that if the Eagles do slip up, you know, all of a sudden we're going to have a real discussion here about meaningful regular season games. Yeah. Do you think that helps that Dallas is there in the rearview mirror? Uh, because this is the trappiest of all trappy games, Mike. I mean, this is this is it. Um but I've been looking for these games all year. I thought Tennessee was a trap game. They came up banged up. I bought my own hype. I thought that was going to be a close game. And they just. You weren't the only one, John. Yeah. 
and they destroyed them. I've been incredibly impressed with this team's ability to to handle things like that. And this will be another test. But, you know, you've been around uh, Philadelphia for a long time. Is this the best Eagles team you've ever seen? It's pretty damn close, man. Um, like I said, the, the, the fact that it's boring speaks to how good it is. Yep. I mean, you know, go back to 2017. Doubts started to creep in <clears throat> once Wentz got yeah. injured. Oh, yeah. You know, major doubts. I mean, I thought they were done for. Oh, I really did. Everybody did. Yeah. It was like um, a wake at the yeah. Delmar Camp Complex. The it next it day. was. You know, yeah. go back to 2004. Terrell Owens gets hurt against the Cowboys. And you think, oh, boy. You know, there's there was trepidation heading into the postseason because mm. of the, the the previous three years of history of them losing in the NFC Championship game. And yeah, the gap between then and and the rest of the conference is wide. But you know, how much does losing To close it? Um, th- this year doesn't have that. It, it's just been kind of this is what we do. We we show up on Sunday and we kick your butts and we go to the next Sunday and everybody gets along and the big offseason acquisitions. Uh, aren't making any waves. It, it isn't as if AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick and the other guys who they brought in have had to adjust or have um, there, there's been any rifts or controversies or anything like that. I mean, it's it's just been so smooth. Now you can look at that and say, okay, in Philadelphia, we're always looking to the sky for the anvil that's going to fall on our heads, like in the Looney Tunes cartoon. Yeah. And so maybe something is coming, but. It, there's no indication that it's presented itself so far and kind of the, the cold efficiency with which this team goes out there and just beats whoever is in front of them. It, it it's, it's hard to argue that this isn't the best team I've seen. Mike in the spirit of uh, political correctness and overly attentiveness and uh, getting our feathers in an uproar too quickly, AKA Michael Parsons disrespecting Jalen Hurts. Um, I said yesterday on the show, I think we need to change the term garbage time because it's just flat out disrespectful to the players who are actually playing in that time. <laughs> and Eagles two weeks in a row have been able to put forth what most people see as garbage time uh, for some of their young and up and coming players. I decided we needed to go with a uh, different name like, um, shoot, what the hell did I call it yesterday? designated growth snaps rather than garbage time called them designated growth snaps for the young guys for uh nicobe dean and zach mack and uh josh job and alike how many designated growth snaps are the eagles reserves going to get to play because they're so far ahead of the bears well look jody i mean I would think probably half of the fourth quarter we're looking at, right? I mean, that's what they basically got last week uh, against the Giants. Uh, and those are those are good things. That's that's a good thing, you know, to make sure that those guys are getting some work, getting some action. It doesn't hurt to have Gardner Minshew taking a few snaps here and there just to stay a little bit sharp. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will matter in the end. It doesn't necessarily mean that if something were to happen, God forbid, to Jalen Hurts or another important player, that the guy behind him wouldn't be able to step in anyway. You know, we saw that, for instance, in 2017. Nick Foles didn't get a lot of work before Carson Wentz tore his knee up. And, you know, by the, by the 
midpoint of the NFC championship game, it was like, holy God, the Eagles had the best quarterback in the league and he was sitting on the bench the entire time behind the second best quarterback in the yeah. league. So, um, you know, it's a the, good thing. The if winner you can get of those the Tallywhacker trophy. There you go. The winner of the, t- the, <laughs> the Tallywhacker trophy. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, so were you uh, just the Eagles don't look ahead, but we can look ahead if they finish thing, this thing off, uh, if they're the number one seed and the road to the Super Bowl goes through Lincoln Financial Field. Where are you in the rest versus rust argument? Do you sit, guys? Do you sit? Now, I think people I mentioned on the show, I think people forget, you know, they say preseason environment. You don't have 90 players. You don't have 85 players. You only have 53. And last year, people go back to last year in the Dallas game, and they clinched the playoffs, And but they still have the COVID rules. So if you remember, they put about yeah. a dozen players on the COVID list. You can't do that anymore. So some guys have to play. Um, but you can sit key players. Um, you have a bye, though, and you start thinking, well, if you're not playing against New Orleans, if you're not playing against the Giants, then you have a week off. Rest versus Russ, my seals, Mike Sealski. I've seen rest work enough, John, that I think you go with rest. Uh, it worked in 2004 when the Eagles were 13 and one, and Andy Reid basically sat all his starters. Uh, the final two games, one in St. Louis against a bad Rams team, and then at the end of the season against the Bengals. They had a bye week. They came out. They looked fine. Uh, you saw the same thing in 2017. Basically, you know, rested all the starters in that final game against the Cowboys. We saw. Uh, the the nascent greatness of Nate Sudfeld in that Cowboys game. Yeah, just ask Jeffrey Lurie. Yeah, just ask Jeffrey Lurie about that uh, and his fond memories of the unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. Uh, and they came out and, and played pretty well against the Falcons. I think especially now, John, with the, the regular season being 17 games, you, you take an opportunity to rest guys if you can and get them fresh. Uh, and look, is it possible that a team that rests its starters will come out and look rusty uh, during the course of its first playoff game back? And do you take that chance? Yeah, I suppose you do. Uh, but remember, too, that the the trend and the ethos now in the NFL is to get those practice reps in. Remember back in the preseason, we heard Nick talking about how the reps that the starters and players were getting in practice, mental reps, physical reps, film study time, was every bit as important as actually having them play in the preseason games themselves. And I think the same principle would probably apply late in the season. If you're staying sharp at practice and in the film room, then you can afford to sit out, you know, three quarters of the regular season finale. I'm glad you added and the film room because let's be honest, the Eagles don't exactly bust it in practice. So (laughs) those reps that Sirianni may be relating to are not, comparable to what most teams do or used to do around the national football league. And I'll play devil's advocate a little bit for you. Yeah. They went all JV squad last year. How'd that work out going down to Tampa for the playoff game rather than go back to 2004 or other years. Let's go to the most recent example, which was last year. It was 31 to nothing before you blinked. And yes, Tampa was better than they were. And everyone should have acknowledged that ahead of time which not all Eagle fans did. Some of them actually said, bring on Brady, which was stupid. Um, but they they played Tampa much tougher earlier in the season when they weren't playing well. They played him at the end of the season when they had actually gotten a turnaround and were playing well and got abused. Do you not factor that into your thinking? Nope. 
Not at all. First of all, they didn't play Tampa that well the first time around. <laughs> Tampa got out to a three-touchdown lead and, you know, slept walk through the second half of that game. Um, Jody, secondly... Three-touchdown three lead is not as great as a 31-to-nothing lead. <laughs> now we're really splitting hairs. Um, the other thing, too... More than splitting hairs. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, Jody, is that I would argue that the Eagles last season and the Steelers last season, who were the two seventh seeds... In yeah. the playoffs, were not really playoff teams. They were not. I mean, they both got their doors blown off uh, by the, their respective teams that they were playing. Uh, the Steelers by the Chiefs, I think it was, and uh, maybe may the Chiefs. I forget. Anyway, um, the point being that the gap between that iteration of the Eagles and that iteration of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was so wide that. You know, Nick Sirianni could have played all his starters in that final week against the Cowboys, and it wouldn't have mattered. They could be as they could have been as sharp as they needed to be. Jalen Hurts was not equipped to win that postseason game. That team was not equipped to he win that postseason either. game. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't healthy either. Yeah, wasn't how he had a, you know the ankle thing. I think right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I, I think we're talking apples and oranges here. Yeah. Um. I agree with that that part of it yeah they just weren't ready and you know the nfl that's one of the things one of the most impressive parts about jalen hurts is the leap he took from the offseason and the things he did we always talk about his work ethic um but uh, it, from from the standpoint of the organization you mentioned jeffrey Lurie. they do some goofy things he calls nate sudfeld unstoppable um we know howie roseman the the sort of uh, ebbs and flows it's like an ekg is the greatest gm in the history of the world everybody wants him out um but this organization mike is over the jeffrey Lurie ownership era is arguably right there with whether you want to talk about new england green bay as the standard but here's the difference <clears throat> new england had tom brady uh, Green Bay had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. The Eagles have done this, different coaches, different quarterbacks, consistent playoff appearances, runs. People will say only one Super Bowl, which I hate, but nonetheless, they're in a position to make a run at another. You're around the Phillies, you're around the Sixers, you're around the Flyers. This organization... How important is that to the success of this team? Oh, it matters a ton, John. And I think you have two prime examples that are very similar that speak to what you're getting at. The year they went to the Super Bowl, most recently, 2017, what had they done two years earlier? They were in major crisis mode. They fired Chip mm -hmm. Kelly. They, you know, Jeffrey Lurie had rubble at his feet. And within two years, they were hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. Think back two years ago from right now. It was 2020. Carson Wentz was making it clear the Eagles were going to have to trade him. And we were all kind of in this mode of like, they're not really going to trade him, are they? And then it inched along to the point where it was like, yeah, they're going to have to trade him. This guy who they just signed to a four-year, $128 million extension, they're going to have to move him because he doesn't want to play here anymore. And look at the, the and they brought this chaos on themselves by drafting Jalen Hurts and misreading how Carson Wentz would react to that. And here we are two years later, and they're 12 and one and a favorite to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So I think that speaks to what you're saying about their ability to kind of 
steer the ocean liner out of the way of the iceberg in a way that most organizations, both in the NFL and locally, have not been able to do. You referenced the Sixers and the Flyers. I mean, my God, the Flyers haven't been able to adjust to the salary cap era of the National Hockey League since the league instituted the salary cap in 2005. Um, And the Sixers had a golden opportunity with Sam Hinkie initiating the process to build themselves into perennially a team that can, that can compete for a championship every year. And they're still short of that. You know, they're, they're much better than they were uh, and they win 50 games every year and they have Joel Embiid, but they still managed to fall short. So yeah, I think the Eagles deserve a ton of credit for what they've done. Uh, It's easy for us to be locked into the nearsightedness of Philadelphia of you know, just us fixating on the Eagles. But sometimes you need to take a step back and compare the Eagles to other organizations around the yeah. NFL and you realize how successful they are, relatively speaking. And, oh, by the way, uh, just to add to the organizational praise and one individual in particular, that would be the owner, at least according to John. And I trust him on this and he's got his sources. Josh McDaniels was almost the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. If Jeff Laurie hadn't said, no, Howie, I don't think we're going to go in that direction. Yeah, I don't think we'd be talking about a 12-1 football team. If Jody, coach. consider this. Consider this. Imagine the 2022 Philadelphia Eagles with Josh McDaniels, McDaniels as their head coach and Russell Wilson as their starting quarterback. Yeah. And so J.G. I- would still be here. JG was very close. When you heard about all the Jonathan Gannon stuff, the Eagles were going to hire Jonathan Gannon before they were going to hire Nick Sirianni. That's because they were going to hire Josh McDaniels, and those two are so close. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's it, you go back to Doug Peterson's season as well. The Eagles wanted Adam Gase, and he had too many demands coming off Chip Kelly's. You mentioned Mike. And they were like, uh, we can't give you all this. And they kind of dodged a bullet there. Ben McAdoo famously was on his way down the Jersey Turnpike. They had a welcome bouquet, <laughs> welcome basket there yeah. with muffins. And they got Doug Peterson because the Giants convinced Ben McAdoo to come back. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. I just, yep. I, the organization is great, but sometimes you need a little bit of luck. Yeah, maybe it's better. Maybe they should, if if and when Sirianni, you know, leaves or gets fired or something happens, maybe they should just go into the process saying, okay, whoever our first choice is, <laughs> disregard him and go with our third or fourth guy because that seems to work for them. All right, Mike Sielski, I need to confirm this from you right here, right now. Are you rooting for the Dallas Cowboys this week? Because if the Cowboys lose and Eagles win, talk about the Eagles being boring. <laughs> that would just take the yeah. edge off the matchup coming up between the Eagles and the Cup. So you're going to be watching, rooting against Doug Peterson on Sunday? I want, yes, I want something, Jody. I, I want, I want Miles Sanders to start fumbling again. Ooh. I mean, this is Ooh. this is what we're talking Ooh. about here. That's it, Mike Steelski fans. I, I, look, all I'm saying is I, I'm tongue, I'm being tongue in cheek here, I, 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 but you guys get what I'm saying. Yes. Like even Miles Sanders used to put the ball on the ground three or four times a season, he hasn't fumbled once. I mean, I remember the good old days of Ryan Matthews. That dude couldn't walk across the, the cafeteria yeah. at the Novacare complex without spilling his avocado rice bowl all over the place. You nice. know, I mean, it was, I like it was it. that bad. Um, so, 
you know, I just want something, something to pique our interest and create some drama. Remember Matt Jones, who was here for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I remember being in the locker room with Matt. He went on this dissertation about the Eagle Claw, which is one of the ball security techniques. The Eagles have it still up in in their facility with, with some of the signs. And Matt's talking about this, and then he goes out there, fumbles first game, boom. Uh, all this ball security talk. Uh, Eagles rep it. You know, even Nick today, we rep it. We're better than I, – I use that term luck, Mike. You know, coaches hate to hear that, um, and I get why. But the stars do have to align at some point. And you talk about Miles Sanders, and I'll bring it back to Jalen Hurts uh, again. He's thrown three interceptions. Who saw that coming? Nobody did. And uh, to your point, though, John, I would say that with with Hertz, it's less about luck because I keep thinking back over the season. And maybe there's one or two plays that stands out that stand out in your guys memory. But I have a hard time Mm -hmm. remembering any plays, any throws that Jalen has made where you go, oh, that was risky. He shouldn't have done that. He really put the ball in a, you know, in a tenuous situation there. He just doesn't do it. He doesn't do dumb yeah. stuff. And that's half yeah. the battle when it comes to winning games in this league. Yeah. All right, Mike, I uh, want to get you on the record about uh, the Eagles and one specific individual having an effect on the rest of the National Football League going forward. This whole Micah Parsons, uh, Sims uh, putting his MVP status in question uh, it should be just background noise. The one thing you can absolutely positively say about Jalen Hurts is he's the most improved quarterback in the National Football League, not even close. Orlovsky went so far as to compare him to Drew Brees. People get yeah. their nose out of joint because he gets compared to Brock Purdy and to uh, uh, their own backup, Gardner Minshew. He was also compared to Drew Brees this week. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. If I'm Jalen Hurts, I kind of like that, that someone compared me to <clears> Drew Brees. He's the most improved quarterback in the NFL by far. And Orlovsky went as far to say he's the most improved quarterback he's ever seen on a year-to-year basis. And we all believe it's because of Jalen Hurts that he put in the time and effort, that he's a guy. Sirianni this week talking about anytime you show up at the Eagle facility, Jalen Hurts is there. Two o'clock in the morning, Jalen Hurts is there. He never leaves. He's there all the time because he's so dedicated and so motivated to become the best player that he possibly can. Will that be the mantra of other quarterbacks in the NFL this offseason? That if if you put in the time and effort, you really do get to cash the check. You get to pay dividends with it. Will Jalen Hurts have that kind of effect with the improved level of his play on the rest of the National Football League going forward? I think he'll have a different effect, Jody. I, I don't know if he'll inspire other young quarterbacks to to buckle down and work hard and, you know, I, I don't know if, he, if Zach Wilson, for instance, is going to look at Jalen Hurts and say, boy, if I really put my nose to the grindstone, um, I, I'll become a, the quarterback that I think I already am, <laughs> you know, in the case of Zach Wilson. Um, but I, I think there's a different twist on this. I think what it's going to do is cause teams and decision makers, general managers, coaches to hold out longer for the possibility that a quarterback who isn't playing great in his first or second season in the league might get it in his third or fourth if you know what I mean like yeah teams are under such pressure because they want to win within the window 
of a quarterback's rookie contract, they're under such pressure to make a quick decision about a guy, right? We drafted Mitch, we, we drafted Mitch Trubisky. We have to know whether he is the guy or not. And if he shows any signs that he isn't, we got to cut bait with him before we sign into this contract that's going to be ridiculous. I think what Jalen does is cause teams to say, hey, wait a minute, we might have to give this guy just another year because maybe then the leap is coming. And, and Jalen isn't the only quarterback who's done this. Look at Josh Allen in Buffalo, right? That guy was spraying passes all over Orchard yeah. Park for yeah. two years. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, he's one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the league and is making throws that nobody else can make. So um, I think that's the after effect of what happened here with Hurts. Uh, yeah, I, I would like, I go back to organizations though, Mike, I, I think you're right. I think that's how people should look at it. Um, but I don't think there's enough patience in most of these organizations and there's so much pressure. You bring up, uh, Mitch Trubisky in Chicago this week, uh, Eagles obviously facing the bears. That is a really, really rabid football market. Typically, um, People have a difficult time being patient when all that pressure is on them. And again, I, I point back to Jeffrey Lurie. But last one from me, Mike, at MikeSielskiInquire.com, WIP. Listen to him there on the weekends with Glenn Mack now. Listen to Jody on the weekends with Glenn Mack now. Um, you mentioned Miles Sanders. Uh, if he is going to have that fumble in a bit, I'll get you in trouble. I want to hold you accountable. <laughs> Like Jalen, I knew I shouldn't have said that. You can't, like you can't, yeah, you, you can't joke about Philadelphia sports. No, it's know. like hand grenades. You can't I do know. it. You can't do it. If there is going to be an upset, if there is going to be a disappointment before the Super Bowl, what team is going to upset the Eagles? Oh, the obvious one, San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I mean, look, you can all see it. We can all see it. Kyle yeah. Shanahan's a really good coach. That team has all the makings, all the elements in place. Uh, you know, it's got an unknown at quarterback right now, but it seems like Shanahan kind of doesn't mind that. You know, he he wants a certain kind of guy, and he hasn't quite gotten them yet because Trey Lance hasn't been healthy and hasn't developed yet. But um, that, that's the team, and it's the obvious one, but it's it's the true one. I mean, that team can win any number of ways. It went into Green Bay in last year's playoffs and won a game without scoring an offensive touchdown. True. It probably should have beaten the Rams yeah. in the, the championship game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, it probably should have won that Super Bowl two or three years ago oh, against yeah. the they Chiefs. They outplayed Kansas City. They, they, they beat them up and down the field. Yeah. So uh, that would be the team that, if I were an Eagles fan, would give me the willies. All right, last one for me. Could you pick Ian Book out of a lineup? Yeah. Who? Ian Book. No, I could not. I haven't seen him in the locker room lately either. Um, so, you know, no. To answer your question, Jody, no. Um, Ian's always in the locker room. You're just in the back, Mike. With the I'm, cool I'm hanging out. I'm talking yeah, Christmas with albums cool with Kelsey kids. and my exactly. yeah. Yeah. We all go to the you. back because <laughs> the cool kids are in the back. Yeah. That's right, man. That's yeah, right. I bring it up because uh, according to uh, uh, Chris Sims, if uh, uh, Jalen were going to go down. Gardner could step right in and play. But then Gardner could go down, and before you know it, the Eagles' hopes and dreams are pinned to Ian Book. He's so I think Brock I got to learn what he looks like, because I couldn't pick him out of the lineup. I'm glad to hear I have company. Now, look, Jody, I mean, it's it's nice to bat around ideas like that and what-ifs and all that, but 
you know, when was the last time it's a team? Not all ne- that. What if Mike Brock Purdy is leading the 49ers to victory? They're down to their third string guy, so shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're late enough in the season where it, you know, that 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 took Trey Lance getting hurt week one or week two, and Garoppolo getting hurt in week week whatever, fourteen or fifteen. Uh, you know, it, I don't think we're going to see a repeat of two thousand two where everybody was like. AJ Feely. Oh my God. But you know, I, I've been wrong before. Like I said, I thought they were dead meat when Wentz went down in Los Angeles. We and, all uh, did. We yeah. all did. The Eagles did. The Eagles they thought did. they were done. They, yeah. they thought they were cool. That truly, that, that moment truly showed that was, that was, and look, I get the love for Nick Foles, but my goodness, the, the coaching job that Peterson and Frank Reich did in the aftermath of that. John to kind DiGalippo. of Yeah. And John to rework the offense. Um, you know, it's it, to me, it's the most missed aspect of that entire championship oh, run. Yeah. They rebuilt the, Fal- the whole offense. The, the Falcons, the Vikings, and the Patriots yeah. had no idea what the Eagles were running offensively because they completely revamped their play calling scheme and everything to accommodate Foles, and it led to a championship. So you tell me, Philly special wasn't in the playbook till Foles took over. <sighs> Philly, Philly, baby. Philly, uh, Philly. I, you know, would they have run it in that situation with Carson Wentz? I don't know. Maybe not. You Carson would have regarded it as a slap you know, in the face. I, How can you not put the ball in my hands? Yeah. I'm the franchise guy. You know, I'm North Dakota you're, tough. You're joking, obviously, Mike, but I think you're right. They wouldn't yeah. because they felt no, they, they wouldn't have needed to do it. Exactly. They, felt they, they had the MVP potentially a quarterback. Well, hey, would, would Wentz have suggested it? Let's remember it was Foles oh, yeah. who was the guy That's who suggested true. that play. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Mike, uh, we always appreciate Will you come on and suggest what we should be talking about because I'm about done talking about Michael Parsons, but I had to bring it up with you two. Thank you very much for the insight today. We will get you back on before the playoffs start. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks, Mike. Always enjoy it, guys. Thanks. Be Our well. Pleasure. Our pleasure. Mike Sielski here with us on uh, Birds 365. All right, Johnny Mack, you're exiting stage left. You're getting over to uh, get... Uh, Got to talk to the head coach. The head talk coach about gonna... how he keeps everybody on the same page away from the rat poison, Jody. You're going to get him to whisper sweet nothings in your ear off the record. Is that Hopefully. how this works? Hopefully. All right. Uh, Johnny Mac, thank you much. Uh, when we come back, it'll be Tone. Tone's going to jump in, take Johnny Mac's spot. We do have a uh, uh, Bears guest coming up as well. Keep it right here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Friday here on Birds 365. Jody Mac with Tony Shields hopping in for Johnny Mac, who's off to uh, catch the coaches Friday press availability. Um, so Tony will be sitting in for the uh, next hour. Coming up in oh, about 20 minutes from now, uh, Zach Pearson from BearsReport.com. I never had the pleasure of talking to uh, Zach, uh, but Johnny Mac got him to agree to come on the show last night. And you told us, Tom, before the show, he was on uh, with Ricky Saratella earlier this week. Yes, sir. Yeah, he did a really good job, man. Gave us a lot of insight on the Chicago Bears. And, um, I mean, the Chicago Bears are a team that don't really have too much to write home about. But, again, it's a team that you don't want to slip up against. You don't want that loss on your resume if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles. Understood. And yeah, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They, 
The Eagles are looking to uh, just pile up the wins until they get to the point where they've locked home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Um, you you haven't, and for those who don't know, uh, Don is our producer. Uh, we shoot the breeze with him for just a couple minutes before the show starts. When the show's over and done with, he's got to go to Saratella show, so we don't get to shoot the breeze with Tone as much as we used to. They keep him so busy producing shows here. Uh, haven't gotten your take yet on the fact that the Bears are not good. They're three and ten, and they are three and ten by merit. They didn't even hide the fact that they're not worried about wins this year. It's one thing to trade Khalil Mack before the season starts and get the draft picks and try and uh, change the look of your team before the season even gets underway. But they trade Roquan Smith in season, their best defensive player. Before the year started, they traded their best defensive player. So Roquan Smith gets elevated to their best defensive player. And they turn around and trade him as well. This is not a good football team the Eagles are playing this week, though. No, not at all. And uh, you brought up Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack. And I know Robert Quinn hasn't really had the year that we all would prefer. But, you know, they traded away their top three defensive assets and – if that's not a team that's rebuilding, I don't know what is. You know, they've they've accumulated some assets, you know, in return. They've got some picks in return for those guys. They freed up a lot of cap space. They're gonna have a they're gonna have a lot of money to spend. So I'm really curious to see how they look next year. They're clearly rebuilding. They're not shy about that. They have a three and ten record. And I just have a hard time believing that this team will be able to even sniff the Philadelphia Eagles jockstrap. I just don't I I I just don't think they're even in the same on the same planet they're not even breathing the same air jody <laughs> yeah that's why the eagles are a nine point favorite coming in and basically they pinned all their hopes and dreams going forward on a young quarterback who i happen to be a big fan of um i didn't even know he was going to be as good a runner as he's turned out to be i used to take off every once in a while and, and make plays with his legs at ohio state but not like he has done this year for the chicago bears and they're asking him to carry the whole load, specifically on offense. Uh, Mooney, their best receiver, is on IR for the year. Claypool, the guy who I liked as an addition. They traded second-round pick to get him. Some people thought it was an overpayment. I didn't. He hasn't exactly kicked in yet in Chicago, and he's missed the last two days of practice. Who the hell's going to make any offensive plays for the Bears this week? Just the fields. <laughs> you know, they, they have – Essentially nobody. Like How many he, times is he going to run it? 25? He's going to he's going to literally become a running back this Sunday. I'm telling you that right now. And, you know, I'm really curious to see how the Philadelphia Eagles deal with that. Um, You know, the closest they've dealt with that throughout the season is probably Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones. We know we know the Giants love to scheme Daniel Jones uh, running lanes. And the Eagles did a pretty good job containing him. He, containing him. he really didn't get off that much uh, running the ball. And. Um, I, I would anticipate or I would like to anticipate, right, that the Philadelphia Eagles would be able to limit Justin Fields. But Justin Fields is by far the best runner or the best athlete they may see at the quarterback position this season. And, you know, he's approaching a thousand yards rushing and there's still four games left to, left to be played in this season. I think he has about nine, nine, twenty, nine, thirty, something like that. He's he's pretty damn close to a thousand rushing yards and he is the offense, you know, being in Chicago. He's been forced to grow up really fast. You know, they placed a lot on his shoulders early. And some some would argue Chicago is where quarterbacks go to die. You know, who, where, where has Chicago developed a quarterback? The, the best quarterback in Chicago history that I've seen in my lifetime 
right, is the guy that got them to the Super Bowl was Rex Grossman. I don't can't maybe Jake Cutler. I don't know. It's just they've they they they've struggled. Jim McMahon before your time. Say that one more time. Jim McMahon before your time. I was born in '94, so. <laughs> Jim McMahon. And oh, by the way, Jim McMahon, very famous quarterback, a lot of personality, um, but he really wasn't all that good a quarterback. The Super Bowl on the back of their defense, and McMahon didn't screw it up, and they handed it off to Walter Payton. So uh, for those of you like Toad who are a little bit younger, yes, Jim McMahon is certainly the most recognizable of the Bears quarterbacks over the last 30. What do you think it is, though, Jody? Like, like, why do you think it's so hard for Chicago to find a quarterback? It seems like they're allergic to it. It's a very fair question. Um, it's got to be more than than just coincidence. But there's some coincidence involved because they they've changed coaches. They've changed general managers. They've changed presidents. The weather is it lake effect. Is that what you're telling me? That it, they just can't do it because the windy city, you can't throw the football. Uh, I think it's just been a series of inept individuals running the franchise more than anything else. Yeah, you you may be right about that. But, you know, I think about Buffalo. Buffalo is not an easy place to throw the ball. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's just it's just it's just so hard. to. I've never seen an organization struggle so much at figuring out a position you know i mean you i mean some organizations fall into a quarterback you know what i mean but i hope i pray because i like justin fields and i think he's extremely talented i think he's probably one of the more talented quarterbacks out of his draft class and i hope they don't ruin this young man's career i hope they don't ruin his long-term health or his long-term sustainability because they are running him into the dirt and one thing i will say though i am pleased with the coaching staff beginning to lean into what he does well and beginning to build the offensive identity around him. I felt like his first year and part of this season, they sort of tried to force that square peg into a round hole, kind of turn him into a five-step, you know, seven-step drop-back quarterback, when in reality, you have to get him in open space, you know, cut the field in half, you know, do what you can to maximize his ability, kind of similar to what the um, what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts last season for the second part of the season. And oh, by the way, some people would suggest that the Eagles fell into Jalen Hurts. I would not be one of them because I liked the pick when they made it. Few and far between people go, yeah, you know, that's a worthwhile second round pick because now here's where the honesty comes in. They could have an expense, an inexpensive backup for four years. Little did I know that by year three, he'd be competing for the MVP. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I did say I thought it was a smart pick by the Eagles the night that they took him in the second round. So, yes, and it all has to do with expectations. The expectations, even as a second, there's a big difference between being middle of the second round and the 11th pick in the draft like Justin Fields was. So, yeah, there are much more higher expectations for a guy like Justin Fields. And at least in one aspect, he's answered the call for him this year, becoming the top running quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, but as we talked about on the other side of the ball with the Bears, th they've given up their best defensive players. Uh, you even put Quinn into the mix, who you're right, year before at 18 and a half sacks. Now, when they traded him, he wasn't playing all that well for them. We know since he's gotten here to Philadelphia, he hasn't really done too much for the Eagles and now on injured reserve. But uh, that, that's got to be something heavy to weigh on. A young man like Fields, he's got to carry the weight of not only the offense, but basically the defense as well. How do you think the Eagles attack this undermanned Bears defense on Sunday? They have options. They have their pick of the litter. 
let's be frank about it. Their pass defense is nothing to write home about. Their run defense is nothing to write home about. Their pass rush is nothing to write home about. I think they're bottom of the barrel. Other than that, how do you like the play, Mrs. Lincoln? In other words, (laughs) they stink, they stink, and they stink. (laughs) You know, I I try to give these guys credit because they are pro athletes, and I always like their approach from the perspective of, from the perspective of they're doing something that I have no business doing and that's playing NFL level football. So I try to, I try to give these guys, you know, the slightest bit of respecting and, you know, and credence, but man, I've, I've watched some bears games and it just seems like quarterbacks are able to knit sweaters back there, make some tea, you know, tuck the kids in, you know, make a baby bottle. They can do whatever they want in that pocket. And that's, that's really the biggest problem. And also they're without their star safety and uh, Eddie, um, Jackson. Eddie Jackson. Thank you, Eddie Jackson. So, man, they're limited. Um, they're depleted. And on top of that, it just seems like they lack talent on the defensive lines. Only 16 sacks on a season. That's basically an average of one sack per game. Maybe actually less than that because there's 17 games in the season. They uh, right now are struggling in all facets of the game. And the Bears, are, the Eagles are catching the Bears at the right time. And, you know, Tom, because you were here uh, the first three, four days of the week, I was worried about this game just from a purely trap game aspect. They're coming off not only a a key rivalry game against the Giants, but one that turned into a blowout. They've got the Cowboys coming up in just six days thereafter, Christmas Eve day game, a Saturday game, rather than Sunday game. So a shortened week, not a terribly short, not Thursday night, but one less day to prepare and get ready. And everybody's thinking about the holidays and everything else that maybe they say, yeah, I got to be ready for the Cowboys. Let me get my Christmas shopping done this week. This had trap written all over it. Lesser opponent coming off a rivalry game, heading toward a huge rivalry game. The only team that really can do anything to knock the Eagles uh, season off the tracks, even a little bit. But as I did my homework and, and broke down the numbers and, and watched the tape that I needed to watch, the Bears just don't have it. There's not a, a, a path to the Bears being competitive in this game. And it was all about, for me, the Eagles not being completely in the moment and, and maybe taking the Bears a little bit too lightly. I guess we should all thank Michael Parsons because – yeah, he kind of got everybody back on track and everybody focused. And bears, 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 bears. They're not going to stub their toe against the Bears here this week, are they? I don't anticipate that. And you bring up that, – that, that's a funny way of looking at it, right? Michael Parsons kind of did us a favor getting us refocused on the task at hand. That's a, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Looking at it. I didn't think about it from the perspective. Um, but, you know, for me it goes back to the quarterback position for the Philadelphia Eagles. I always say, and I've learned this by, you know, watching the game, and I've learned this by listening to guys like you, John McMullen, you know, Rob Ellis, um, Derek Gunn, Bear Brooks, Seth Jordan. I've learned this from you guys, and that's the fact that teams take on the identity of their coaches and also take on the identity of their starting quarterback. And Jalen Hurts has shown that he is not the type to look too far ahead. He's not the type to look too far back in, um, in the rearview mirror. Jalen Hurts is someone who stays in the moment. He stays in the grind. And he doesn't allow outside external forces to dictate how he plays football. Now, granted, he's human. I'm sure he hears everything. He hears everything. He hears everything. He he knows everything going on around him, around this league. And he said something in one of his press conferences that really stood out to me. 
He said, I carry my scars everywhere I go. And that speaks to, to me, that speaks to him knowing all the doubters and knowing everything they've said about him and still elevating above what people have deemed him to be. So this team is led by the right guy. You know, I've, I've never felt this comfortable as a supporter of the Eagles. I've never felt this comfortable as a fan with within the quarterback position from a mental perspective. Maybe Nick Foles because he's such a cool customer, but I've never felt this comfortable from a leadership standpoint. And I think it goes a long way. And this, and this team will go as far as he takes them. And he's got uh, other guys like uh, Kelsey to be able to uh, share that leadership with. But I'm with you. I don't think he... If they didn't have as good a, a a Hall of Fame center and a leader as Jason Kelsey, I still think the Eagles would be in very good shape because of the the quarterback that they have. Hurts uh, Hurts really does command the respect of his teammates, even in his still relatively young. And I think from time to time we underemphasize that. Last year was his first year as a starting quarterback, so he's in his second year as a starting quarterback, third year in the league. Year one being a year that no one thought he was going to play. Nobody saw Carson Wentz basically going in the crapper. Um, so for him, and uh, we keep talking about the fact that he came into the NFL at a young age, you're younger than most quarterbacks do. Um, yeah, his his ability to take a hold of a locker room is, is unparalleled, certainly here in Philadelphia with what we've seen. All right, so yeah, if the Eagles can handle the Bears, and we're going to get our uh, Bears reporter, Zach Pearson, up here in just a couple of minutes. Are the Jaguars going to do the Eagles the biggest favor? Is Dougie P going to lend a major helping hand to his former team and pick off the Cowboys this week? You know, it's funny you say that because I think that was one of the biggest reasons why I had a problem with what Michael Parsons said, you know, I've been hearing you and uh, John, you guys aren't really buying into it. Right. And um, for me, the biggest, my biggest issue was the fact that, Hey, you're looking a little too far ahead. My man, you still have one more hurdle to jump over before you get to us. Focus on your plate. My mom always told me, young man, you're not touching these honey buns. You're not touching these cookies until you finish the spaghetti on your plate. You're not, fin- you're, not you're not touching any of these goodies until you finish dinner. So I, you know, I approach it from that mindset, focus on what's in front of you. And I wouldn't put it past the Dallas Cowboys to drop one on the road in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence is starting to find his groove. He's starting to find his swing. He was, he was just offensive player of the week uh, this past week. So that's something you have to pay attention to. And Dallas Cowboys have shown to play down the competition. They've shown that they've had chinks in the armor, that Houston Texans game. I don't think it's being talked about enough. They went down to the brink the brink, at least when the Philadelphia Eagles played them, they got they got a handle of the game in the second half, right? They went down to the final minute, the final 10, 15 seconds of that game. They had to go on a, what, a 90-yard, 80-yard drive, I guess, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. Which, what the to their credit, they did. They had to go and 95 they did, and they did yards. It. Yeah. yeah. And, and they did it, and I give them absolute credit. That's respect, but it's the Houston Texans, and you couldn't register a sack on their quarterback, not one bit. Where was Micah then? So I think yeah. Micah needs to focus on the Jacksonville Jaguars because they're going up against a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence and better players at the skill position. 
And oh, by the way, uh, Jacksonville, the uh, Jaguars mascot, might be out there in his speedo doing some twerking at uh, uh, Michael Parsons, <laughs> which should be interesting to see if uh, Micah notices him uh, the same way he notices the MVP status of Jalen Hurts. I right, uh, Tony Shields in for John McMullen. J Mac had to take out take off early. The uh, coach is having a media session, which they gather some pretty good information for the upcoming game. Uh, so Johnny Mac gets out early on Friday. Stone to Shields jumping into his spot. Coming up next, we hope to hear from Zach Pearson, who was the Bears reporter for BearReport.com. He was on the channel earlier this week. Uh, Tone said he did a good job. Hopefully he does so for us again next. Zach Pearson will join us here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game now streaming on the Six ABC Family of Apps. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not least, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero Down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel 
You got me, Jody Mack, with Cone to Shields and for Johnny Mack and joining us to talk Bears for the next 15, 20 minutes from BearReport.com, Zach Pearson. Zach, thanks for jumping in. Uh, before you came aboard, Tone and I were trying to figure out exactly how many times Justin Fields is going to have to run the ball this Sunday. I'm thinking about <laughs> setting the under over at like 21. You don't have a quarterback <laughs> running 21 times, but the Bears might this Sunday. Am I setting it too low? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. Um, I don't know. In order for the Bears to win this game, Justin Fields is going to have to just be very, very special and play out of his mind. Um, you know, it's crazy because when he came back from that shoulder injury after missing one game last week or two weeks ago against Green Bay, he actually didn't really have that many designed run calls. And he actually looked way better as a passer outside of those two interceptions that he threw late in the game. Um, but I think that was a little more of them trying to protect him with his shoulder, maybe not take as many hits. On Sunday, I don't know, he's probably going to have to run the ball a lot, at least 10 times for them to win this game because I, I just don't know where they're going to beat the Eagles. I think if they have a shot, it's going to be him scrambling on the outside, uh, making plays with his feet, maybe keeping plays alive, throwing the ball. Problem is they really don't have anyone to throw to at all in this offense. I mean, Cole Komet's probably their best wide receiver at tight end. Darnell Mooney's hurt right now. Um, Chase Claypool is probably not going to play. He's throwing to Byron Pringle. He's throwing to Nikhil Harry, Dante Pettis, um, Valus Jones Jr. It's, it's a bunch of guys that are no offense to him. Wide receiver three, wide receiver four on a lot of other teams. Hey there, Zach. Uh, thanks again for coming onto the platform. You're beginning to become a regular on Jacob Sports. <laughs> we had you on from the football playbook earlier this week. Appreciate you as always. Um, you know, I have a question, right? You know, Justin Fields, he's a quarterback that I believe is probably one of the more talented guys in his draft class. And he came in with a very unique skill set. And when he first got here, it seemed like the Bears were trying to fit him into this prototypical quarterback mold, forcing him to drop back five, seven step dropbacks, kind of like Aaron Rodgers-esque a little bit, just trying to force him to be something he kind of wasn't and didn't really lean into what he did well. And that was, you know, really utilize his athletic ability. Why did it take this long for the Bears coaching staff to really lean into what J Justin Fields does well? Yeah, you know, I think he was dealt kind of a bad hand last year. I think he was in a position where Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace wanted to save their jobs. They needed to save their jobs. And from the start, they went with Andy Dalton. They were not even going to give Justin Fields a shot in training camp last year at all. I was at pretty much every training camp practice. Justin Fields is the better quarterback, hands down, way better than Andy Dalton. They still stuck with him until Dalton got hurt. And then they kind of played this game where it was rotation in and out. You know, even when Dalton was healthy and, and Fields was healthy, they kind of went back to Dalton. I think this year they saw, okay, we have to be a run first team. We have a couple of good backs in David Montgomery. We have, good, you know, we have Khalil Herbert. Justin Fields can use his legs as well. It wasn't working out for the first couple of games. And I think Luke Getze, something clicked and was like, okay, let's get Fields on the move. If you look at last year, his best game was against Pittsburgh. He was on the move. He was rolling out. And this was a different regime. He was rolling out on the move, um, making plays down the field, throwing the ball, running the ball. I think they saw that and said, okay, we really need to get that into our game plan as well as his legs and put him in good situations. You know, we're not going to come out here and throw it deep every single time. We're not going to take chances, you know, 20, 30 yard passes. That's just not what the offense was. It's developing into that a little bit as we go. I think Getsy and, and Matty Rufu saw this as, okay, we have, like you said, we have someone special. We have a special skill set. The NFL 
is changing. Look at all these quarterbacks. Look at Jalen Hurts. Look at um, you know Justin Fields, guys like that. Um, you know, even Kyler Murray to an extent before he was getting um, you know before he was hurt. Mobile quarterbacks, guys that can use their legs, guys that can use their arm, are, are becoming what the NFL is. Um, not fully, but you know it's starting to develop that way. And I think the Bears finally realized, okay, like we really have to use this guy's skill set because he he just he has no weapons. It's it's he has, just has no weapons at all. All right, other than Justin Fields taking off and running with it, who are they going to lean on to run the football tomorrow? If they can, if they're not down 14 nothing before they blink, if the game is actually competitive after a quarter, who's going to get those carries for the Bears tomorrow? It's going to be David Montgomery will be the workload. Um, Khalil Herbert's out. He can't return until next week against Buffalo. Um, if they were both playing, it would have been more of like a 50-50 true split. I actually think they prefer Herbert right now over Montgomery. But since he won't be out there, it's going to be Montgomery. And um, that's not a bad thing. He played well against Green Bay. He's a guy who, um, you know, he doesn't have the speed to kind of break away. You won't see many long, like 60, 70 yard big runs at all. Um, but he's a guy, he's hard to bring down. He'll fall forward. He'll break a couple tackles, maybe turn a four or five yard play into, you know, seven, eight yards, something like that. A guy I'm very intrigued by is Darrington Evans. He's a veteran, um, came from uh, Appalachian State, played at Tennessee. Uh, with the Titans, he's probably their best pass catching back right now. He's made a couple plays in that area. So, um, you know, in terms of running, it'd be Montgomery, but if Fields has to scramble, kind of dump it off, I think they'll target Evanson's a little more. Uh, Zach, what's been your evaluation of Matt Eberflus as the head coach? Um, is this team beginning to buy into what he's selling? Yeah, I, I think so. And it's kind of weird because they're three and 10, they're out of the playoffs. Um, They've had, I think, six or seven chances this year in the fourth quarter to come down in one-score games and take the lead, um, and they just haven't been able to do it at all this year. And that's kind of you know one of those stats where you look at it and you're like, wow, like that's that's sad. That's that's not good. Maybe players are kind of not buying in. Um, that's just not the case at all. I, I think they know what's going on. This is a complete rebuild. It's a complete teardown. They traded their best player on defense, Roquan Smith. I mean, they traded a, a good pass rusher at the time last year. Um, well, a good pass rusher last year, Robert Quinn. Um, they kind of knew what was happening, but they're buying into it. It's a process. I mean, they're going to have a lot of money to spend. They're going to have a top three to four draft pick. And while it's hard for players to accept and they want to win, I think they kind of understand, like, yeah, even if you know we do lose, we, we're still building something. That's really hard you know, for a lot of players to grasp, but he has not you know, lost that locker room at all. They've had some frustrating moments, um, you know, losing their leader, Eddie Jackson to a, to an ankle injury. They, they, they're, they're completely bought in still. They, they know, I mean, I, I they have four really tough games coming up. I think they're going to go and four. I think they could beat Minnesota if they rest their starters and possibly beat um, Detroit, but it, it could get a little rougher. I, I still think though, they're, they're all fully bought in. He's a team first guy. He, he wants to oversee the team. He doesn't want to be like Matt Nagy where he was, you know, only offense and had to have the offensive game plan and, and play called. Eberflus kind of um, connects well to every player, every unit. He cares about every player on this team. And it's kind of refreshing to see since, you know, what we've had here. You know, you've got a problem on defense when a safety leads the yeah. team in, ta in sacks. Yeah, I know Seattle had that with uh, Adams, but he really is a uh, one-of-a-kind type player. Is Jaquan Brisker that good? It's three sacks. We're not talking about a big number here. He's got three sacks, but three sacks lead the Bears this year. 
are they just completely incapable of generating any kind of pass rush? It's crazy because when you talk about Jaquan Brisker, like I think his the better parts of his game are not even with the sack stat. Like I think he's better in coverage. He's better um, in the run game. So I, I think he's a real. I think he's a really good player. The sacks have obviously come off of blitzes. Um, yeah, their defensive line is almost historically bad. Like they are not generating any pressure at all. They didn't touch Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think the only time Aaron Rodgers hit the ground last week was when he tripped, maybe on a scramble <laughs> by himself. It, it's bad. And it was bad. A lot of people are, you know, oh, well, they traded Robert Quinn. They have no, well, Robert Quinn wasn't great here to start this season. Not um, this season. So, yeah. And that wasn't making a difference at all earlier on. So they just, they don't have anyone. They, they, they cut Kyrus Tonga, who's in Minnesota, who, who's playing pretty well. Um, he was kind of an unproven guy. They went with Justin Jones, Dominique Robinson, a fifth round pick who was playing wide receiver a couple of years ago in college. Um, Travis Gibson is not really panned out. So they're just not getting like, they don't have a true three technique to disrupt games. They don't have a true pass rush on their defensive line. Um, it's, it's actually the complete opposite. If you look at Philadelphia, they have multiple guys. I mean, they, any guy they throw in there is pretty much getting pressure. Chicago, it's just the opposite. No one's getting pressure. So, um, yeah, if they do get pressure, um, it's coming off blitzes. And you look, and so it's Brisker's three sacks. I believe um, undrafted rookie Jack Sanborn is two and a half. Um, he's a linebacker, so that's coming off a of blitz. And Roquan Smith has, I think, two and a half or three sacks. And he doesn't even play for the Bears anymore, and he's still right up there. And those are off blitzes. So Allen Williams doesn't like the blitz traditionally, uh, going back to his days in Indianapolis. I think he's had to a little more just because they haven't gotten pressure. So I, I think if they're going to try and disrupt Hurts, they might have to send an extra guy. But I don't know if their defense is good enough to protect uh, if they do send that extra guy. Yeah, the Bears, they they had a lot of draft picks this year, uh, This past, well, over the past offseason. They didn't have a first-round pick. But they brought in, you know, some DBs, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker. They brought in a bunch of other young guys, Vilas Jones, Braxton Jones, Tristan uh, Ebner. You know, what's been your evaluation um, from this draft class? Um, are these guys showing signs that they can play in this league long term? Um, overall, what have you seen from this draft class that gives you hope for the Chicago Bears in the long term? Yeah, um, I, when I looked at this draft class, and it, was, it was kind of unfolding there in, in April. A lot of guys that are very athletic. Um, it feels like Ryan Poles kind of took some chances on guys. And as I mentioned, you know, Dominic Robinson was playing wide receiver and quarterback like five years ago. He's a raw talent. Um, a lot of development too. That's kind of obvious. You obviously want to develop guys, but like a lot of guys that they're banking on develop into really good players so far, you know, I think they have a future starter at left tackle. Braxton Jones, a fifth-round pick out of Southern Utah. I think he's been really good. He's played some of the better pass rushers so far. He's gone up against Micah Parsons, gone up against Montez Sweat. Um, those are two guys you know. You guys are pretty familiar with in the NFC East. Um, he's gone up against Green Bay's pass rusher, San Francisco's. He got beat early on in the season. Um, I think he's only allowed one or two sacks the past four or five games. He's been probably one of their better players on offense. Valus Jones kind of been a disappointment, really hasn't gotten going, fumble problems. Tristan Abner's not really gotten going, even though he's gotten some run with uh, the injuries at running back. Their best players have pretty much come, Jaquan Brisker and undrafted free agent Jack Sanborn at linebacker. Brisker looks like a stud, um, former Penn State guy, plays that traditional strong safety, which has helped Eddie Jackson say at free safety. 
And Sanborn's just been a tackling machine. I mean, it, it's crazy. Like, he's racking up. He's a 16-tackle game, a 13-tackle game. He's all over the field. The interesting one for me is Kyler Gordon. Hmm. He was there in the second round when a lot of people, the first round, their first pick they took in the second round. A lot of people wanted to take wide receiver. A lot of them wanted to take George Pickens or, you know, someone like Sky Moore. Um, they took Kyler Gordon, and he played bound, you know, on the outside, and he played um, slot at Washington. And they put him right away in the slot. And a lot of people are like, well, you just put a second-round pick in the slot. Well, a lot of defenses are, are nickel defenses right now. Um, he's struggled, but he's played really well as of late. Um, he did miss a couple games with a concussion. I'm curious to see how him and Brisker hold up against these um, wide receivers um, that the Philadelphia has. Are they going to be able to stay with them? Are they going to be able to cover them all game? I think it's going to be a good test for both of those kids. And, and you know, if they fail, I don't think it's, a, it's that big of a deal. Um, I think it's actually really good. You should fail at times to get better. So I'd keep an eye on Gordon. He'll probably primarily be in the slot unless there's some injuries. Two other guys uh, quickly to keep an eye on are undrafted. Jalen Jones out of Ole Miss, Josh Blackwell out of Duke, both defensive backs who have played pretty well thrown in there with injuries. Um, again, who's going to cover Devonta Smith? Um, will the Bears shadow A.J. Brown with Jalen Johnson? Quez Watkins, who's going to guard him? It, it's it's going to be tough to watch at times. Understood. And oh, by the way, putting value on a cover corner in the NFL in 2022 is not out as outrageous as it used to be. Yeah. I uh, do a solid for any of the Eagle fans, Eagle Nation who are getting on a plane yeah. later this afternoon or tomorrow. What's the weather supposed to be like at game time? Uh, bundle up. It's going to be about 24, <laughs> 25 degrees. That doesn't sound awful, but. The stadium's right on the lake, and the wind is going to be rolling. I think the wind's like 16, 17 miles per hour. That's where it gets cold. Um, so, yeah, bundle up, put on a hat, um, get some coffee, maybe some beer. Keep yourself warm. Say, the, the coffee's <laughs> a possibility, but it won't just be creamer added to that coffee. It's, exactly. Yeah, probably I mean, the best it's way cr- to go. Yeah. It's crazy here in Chicago. Like, I'm sure you guys had kind of the same weather, but – you know, it's um, it was like I think it was like 45 the other day, and then it's going to drop down to like 20 like tomorrow. And um, you know, it could be um, freezing next week, and then it could be 50s the week after. It's just our weather is so wacky. But yeah, it's going to be a little cold. So uh, let I'm me l- let me follow up there, uh, Tone. Thanks. Um, where are they at in the process of uh, a new stadium? Because I've been Soldier Field forever, redid it. Uh, built it back up again, but it is past its usefulness time. And they bought the land uh, in the suburbs. Yeah, how is that proceeding? What kind of timeline are we looking at for the Bears to get a new home? Yeah, so it's still going through the process. They're still getting the approvals, all that. Um, I believe they hired someone for design. Um, they have to get the approval in the contract, the land contract signed, all that. I believe is where they're at. Um, it's kind of a, one of those things where news pops up like every two to three months um, on something different. So realistically, the move would probably be 2026 would be the stadium opening 2027. In my opinion, I think they're gone. I don't think you, you, you get this involved with that land in that project and you're not this deep in talks unless something just absolutely goes wrong. Like 
they get out there and they realize, oh man, like the land, we really can't build on it. That's that's not going to happen. They they but, find dinosaur bones. Is that what you're saying? The only way to <laughs> yeah <it>. yeah. <laughs> in it, in I mean, Indian well, burial ground or something. <laughs> hey, it's, um, here's the crazy thing. It's an old horse racing track, so you not you know what you find out there when you start to dig. Um, but no, they're gone. I mean, it, it just makes sense. Look at all these new stadiums. Soldier Field is the least capacity in the NFL. It's really hard to get to. It's a pain. I mean, I live. 15 minutes away and it takes me 40 minutes on game days, 40, 50 minutes to get down there. That's if I leave at 9 a.m. for a noon game, which is just insane to me. But um, yeah, they need it. They're gone. I think they're going to have one of the better stadiums in the NFL when it, when it gets there. And I'm excited for it. I know people like tradition. I'm excited for a new stadium. Nice. Yeah. You know, I was thinking the bears, you know, they're coming off of their bye week and I'm curious to know what new wrinkles should the Philadelphia Eagles expect or be keen to from the Bears, in particular on offense? Because we know Justin Fields is still a developing product. We know they are limited from the skill position, but yeah. you know they have done some things to scheme Jalen uh, to scheme Justin Fields. See, I keep I keep saying Jalen Hurts; they're so similar, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, they have done plenty of things to cut the field in half uh, for Justin Fields and make his job easier. So, um, are there any new wrinkles that you? are anticipating that maybe the Philadelphia Eagles should look out for from this Bears offense? So I'm glad you said the fields and hurts are similar because that's what we really hope here in Chicago. Like we really hope <laughs> that we have a guy like that finally. Um, in terms of like new wrinkles, the only thing I would like see is maybe getting Valus Jones more involved with his speed, maybe some jet sweeps, maybe some quick screens. Uh, maybe they can have a play action pass down the field. Other than that, man, you guys are going to see a pretty basic game plan. It's just, like I said, it's a bunch of wide receivers that can't really get open deep down the field. They don't have a burner to beat you. Um, Jones would probably be that burner. And the one chance he had against Dallas, he he dropped the ball in a deep pass. It kind of would have changed that game. Maybe the Bears could have pulled off the upset there. Um, I would just, yeah, maybe those quick plays, those quick screens, the quick outs, those jet sweeps, uh, maybe a couple of pitches for him in the backfield. That'd be pretty much the big wrinkle. I think their game plan is going to be we're going to try and run the ball with David Montgomery. We're going to try to run with Justin Fields, more designed runs. And we're just going to take a basic game plan, take the safe throws, um, you know, because they just don't have like Chase Claypool is not going to play. EQ St. Brown is probably their next best deep threat, um, which is kind of a positive. He did did beat um, Jair Alexander last week or two weeks ago. I just I don't see it happening again. So yeah, I would say kind of just getting Valus Jones involved, maybe um, maybe some trick plays. I don't know. I, I do think they'll be aggressive though. I don't think against an Eagles, you, you're facing the best team in the NFL right now. You, you could take chances. You know, if it's fourth and six from your forty, you could take or their forty, you could take a chance like that. They'll probably pass up field goals, maybe go for touchdowns. I think they're going to have to do that that type of thing. All right, Zach. Last one for me um, on a personal note. Uh, I noticed uh, your writing and, and Twitter and the like. You chose not to ask any Bears this week about Jalen Hurts' MVP status. Did you not do that because it would have been shooting <laughs> fish in a barrel? That they don't really have someone on defense that's meritorious of answering that question? That they don't have a star who's good enough to be able to make a <laughs> statement on the MVP? Why didn't you go down that road? Come on, it was a layup, yeah. big guy. Hey. You could have taken it. 
Let's see. There's a, it's 8.42. I have to be up there by 11. So there's still a chance. We okay, do get open you get it in today. this afternoon? I'll, I'll be on your Twitter all afternoon. <laughs> yeah. So here's what I'll for it to uh, break. Here's what I'll say. If I do talk to someone defensively and I ask them that, I think they'll have a more respectful answer. Yeah, and I think probably. They'll, yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. praise. I think they'll praise Jalen Hurts because I think they understand. Like, I think Jalen Hurts has, has taken that step forward. Um, and the Eagles have done a great job, and nothing against them. The Eagles have done a great job surrounding him with talent, which is what we want in Chicago. But Jalen Hurts is also playing really damn well, too. So when I saw that whole, whole thing um, with Parsons, I was like, wow, okay, that's, that's kind of interesting. Like, I, I checked the schedule. When does Dallas and Philly play again next? Because uh, that's one of those ones where your offensive linemen kind of stand up for you in the, in the game. Um, but, yeah, no, I think they'll have, they'd have a more respectful answer because I, I do think um, they've played some pretty good quarterbacks this year. I think Hertz will be up there probably top three-ish, uh, top two um, in terms of quarterbacks they've played. And I think they know a challenge us ahead, man. I've watched a couple of Eagles games this year. Um, he's good. He's, he's, he's really good. And, and I kind of hope the Bears go down this path. Get, a, get him – get Fields a number one wide receiver. Get him some more weapons. And hopefully he can be what Hertz is. You know, maybe – I don't want to make anyone mad in the comments. Maybe better. I don't know. We don't know what Justin Fields' ceiling is. I don't know what Jalen Hurts' ceiling is. I think – he could get better as well. So we'll see. But I think they're interesting, comparable quarterbacks, too. Now, what final is – uh, Final one for me. Then you got right, go ahead. Um, You're good. What is uh, Eddie Jackson's status? Oh, he's out He's out for the year. Yeah. He, uh, but is he – the reason I asked the question is, is he still with the team? Is he there oh. in the locker room? Uh, yes. No, he's not going to play this week, but is he yeah. there? Because yes. he's the only Alabama guy you got. Yeah, so I'm figuring if anyone's gonna <laughs> a, a he's your best defensive player, even though he's not playing, and B he's an Alabama guy. If there's one guy, and I don't want to do your job for you, but uh, if you're gonna ask anybody in that locker room today about Jalen Hurts, I would circle Eddie Jackson's name if he's gonna be there, or is he yeah. happening on his own? Um, he, I've not seen him in the locker room since he got hurt. I did see him after the game against Green Bay in the locker room, and I talked to him off the record a little bit to see how he was doing and, and, you know, if that, um, if that ankle's doing better or stuff like that. Cause so I was talking to a rookie, Elijah Hicks, who's pretty much played in his spot um, alongside DHC, DeAndre Houston Carson. And during my interview, Elijah, like, was like, I have to hold on one second, like, and, and went up to Eddie and Eddie came up to him. So there, he's a guy that a lot of these young players in the secondary lean on, which is still important because if you're not on the field, I still think you can have value in, mentoring these young guys who are getting their chance, you know, mentoring Jaquan Brisker, mentoring Elijah Hicks, um, Jalen Jones, Josh Blackwell, guys like that. So he is around the team. He's helping out. Um, I don't think he'll be in the locker room today. So if I can't ask him today and I see him in the locker room after the game, I'll ask him after the game what he saw. Cause I'm sure he'll be at the game probably up, up in a box watching. You know, final one for me, uh, Zach, uh, once again, thanks for coming on with us. Yeah. You know, the bears traded for chase Claypool, uh, mid-season and you know it made me think you know what has been your evaluation of him um, as an asset to Justin Fields because um, again Justin Fields he's been compared to different guys like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, so on and so forth but most comparably to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles brought in a big body physical wide receiver like an A.J. Brown now I'm not comparing Chase Claypool <laughs> to A.J. Brown but from a physicality standpoint from a measurable standpoint they're kind of similar and it makes me think about the potential blueprint for a guy like Justin Fields, right? Getting him that big body uh, wide receiver with a large catch radius. Um, 
what do you think should be the long-term blueprint for Justin Fields? And does Chase Claypool play a vital or is he a vital cog in that long-term blueprint? I think he's going to have to be because the pick they traded for him was their own second. And that's going to be 33, 34, 35 range come um, April. The move to get Claypool wasn't necessarily for this year. I think Ryan Poles looked at that free agent class and was like, oh boy, there's not many good options out there at wide receiver. Let's go out and try to take a chance on a guy who seemed disgruntled in, in, in Pittsburgh, but flash talent. It hasn't been there so far. Um, he just hasn't really caught up with the playbook just yet. He hasn't been on the same page as Justin Fields. He had to play a game with Trevor Simeon um, after Fields got hurt, so that really didn't help him out. I think a full offseason will know a better answer on Claypool. I don't imagine the Bears thinking him as the number true number one. I think he could be a good number two, good number three with Darnell Mooney. I don't think either of them are number one wide receivers. Their plan has to be kind of what Philadelphia went out and did, kind of what Miami went out and did. The only problem is I don't think there's going to be an A.J. Brown or a Tyreek Hill out there available um, come free agency or trade. Free agency class is not good. I don't know which veterans. Maybe someone like DeAndre Hopkins, but he's, he's going to be 31. Um, I don't know if they'd go that route. I think they have a couple options. I think that first pick they're going to have, number two, number three overall, they're either going to trade back, um, pick up a lot of draft picks, which, which is going to be smart to do, or they're going to try and change a, take a game-changing player on the defensive line. Will Anderson, um, um, Jalen Carter, Miles Murphy out of Clemson, and then go for a wide receiver. Because if we look at these last couple drafts, man, wide receivers in the second round, wide receivers in the third round have really produced, and you can find some gems there. I think that's going to be their game plan. If they do trade, maybe they can land, um, you know, Quentin Johnson, Jordan Addison in the teens if they if they fall back. I, they just they have to find a number one wide receiver. I, I think they're starting to build their weapons, but the, the philosophy should be bulk up your offensive line, protect Justin Fields, give him weapons to throw because he's a rookie. He's a rookie. He's on his rookie contract. You can't be wasting these years and his and stunting his development at all. So that should be that would be my plan if I were Ryan Poles. Zach, good stuff. Hope you can make it over to the difficult-to-get-to stadium before yeah. they actually kick off on Sunday. Uh, I know you'll be uh, well warm. Uh, you get it in the uh, off the lake effect. Yeah. Uh, should, should be at least uh, entertaining. Don't know if it's going to be competitive, but it should be entertaining on Sunday. Thanks for jumping in with us today. Yeah, thanks anytime, uh, guys. I really appreciate it. If anyone's going to the game, any fans, Pequod's for pizza. Best pizza you'll have in Chicago. Who? What's okay, your name right. of the place? Uh, Pequod's. Yep. Pequod's Pizza? Yes. Um, I'm not a deep dish guy, so I, I do okay. like a thin slice. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm more of a thin crust guy myself, actually. Yeah, thin crust. <laughs> then Pequod's it is. Pequod's um, and Salerno's. Those are my two favorites in Chicago. I'm, I'm a rosebud guy in Chicago, but that's full meal, not pizza. Oh, stuff. man. that's Oh, yeah. That's fantastic, too. I, I recommend that as well. <laughs> Zach, good stuff. Appreciate you coming on board with us. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. You got it. Zach Pearson from bearreport.com here with us on Birds 365. All right. Come back. Uh, I text Johnny Mac. I go, hey, you forgot to give us a score. Or I forgot to ask him the score. <laughs> uh, I have the McMullen score. I'll give you mine. Tone's going to give you his. We need to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. 
greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Number one, Jeff D'Ambrosio. Destination Downingtown is rolling back prices for a December to remember. For a limited time, you can own, not lease, brand new 2023 Jeep Wranglers for only $39.95 or $339 per month. New Rams starting at only $39.95 or new Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cabs $189 per month. Zero down can deliver. Get the price you want, the selection you need, and the VIP treatment you deserve. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, big finish sales event. Did you know taxes could be your biggest expense during retirement? Are most of your assets in tax-deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks? Taxes are historically low today, but we're facing significant headwinds in the future. Do you have a plan? The Thrive Financial Team has more than 100 years of experience helping people across the Delaware Valley with forward-looking tax planning. Learn how to shift your money from forever tax to no or low tax accounts. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. The bow on the show here on 365. It's all over, but for the shouting. And I will shout out John McMullen's prediction for the Eagles and the Bears. He texted me 31-15. Eagles dispense with Chicago. Uh, that means a cover of a nine-point spread. They win by 16. Um, I'll give you my pick last. All right, uh, Tone, what do you see as far as a final score goes between the Eagles and the Bears. I think the Philadelphia Eagles win this game 34 uh, to 17. Um, I think the Bears are going to score in that first quarter. I think they score a field goal in the second. I think the, I think the game gets out of hand in, in the third. And I think they score a late uh, touchdown because the Eagles begin to rest guys because the game is just so far to reach. So 34-17 Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, another relatively easy victory for the Eagles. And you know, you were here, you produce the show every day. I was leaning toward this being competitive, that I feared the Eagles might come in just a little bit of a a peek ahead to the Dallas Cowboys. And the more effort and time I put into it, and thank you, Micah Parsons, for if there was any chance that the Eagles going to lose focus and look past this one, him uh, questioning the quarterback's MVP status, I think, got everybody back on on focus. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll take Johnny Mac's score and use it as a uh, barometer. He thinks he goes are going to score thirty one points. Yeah, I think they'll score slightly more. I think he's in the neighborhood. I'll go thirty three. And yeah, I'm going to give the, the the Bears a little bit more of a nod. I think Justin Fields will actually 
complete some passes, which has not been his forte this year. It's been more him taking off and running with it. I think that the Eagles will be, you talk about light boxes. Uh, they're not going to worry about him on uh, going up the middle. So I think they'll do a better job at shutting him down. I gave this question out a couple of times during the week, though. 75 yards rushing for uh, Justin Fields. That's what he averages per game this year. I think the Eagles actually hold him under that because I think they know that. He doesn't have, it seems on paper that he doesn't have other options. I think he's going to find Cole Komet and the Aquaminius Brown may make a play or two. And I think he's going to be under on yards rushing, but over on yards throwing, which he averages like 158, which is not a whole hell of a lot. I think he's going to throw for 200. So I'd go under on the rushing, over on the passing. I give the Bears 20 points, which means the game isn't really all that close. If you're looking at the line, the Eagles are a nine-point favorite. I got them winning 33 to 20, so that's a cover. So John has them covering. Tone has them covering. I have them covering. You know the Eagles are now going to win this game by only eight points. Now that, now that we've all said, yeah, go ahead, lay the nine, the Eagles are only going to win by eight, uh, but we shall see. Tone, uh, good job stepping in for Johnny Mac today. Thank you much, buddy. Uh, I will talk to you on Monday. Uh, you'll be back producing on Monday, correct? Oh, as always, my man, you can't get rid of me that easily. All right, there we go. So uh, come Monday after another Eagles victory over the Bears, we'll be back here on Birds 365. That would be me, Tone, and Johnny Mac. We'll all be back in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.